Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us online, wherever you find yourself in your lounge room or you're still in bed, but you've got your laptop or you're in your connect group. So glad that you are with us today and you find us in the middle of our C series. The C series is about vision and mission for this church. And so this is not a walk through the book of Romans. This is a message series to inspire us around the cause of Jesus Christ in our cities and in our personal lives. So let's get started. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person that calls this church their home church. And I pray, Lord, that we will all feel an increase in the thermostat of faith in our lives, in our marriages, in our economies, in our careers, and in our church. Lord, today we commit this message to you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will stir and speak to every single one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, what a great message Justin gave us last week. I'm going to touch on some of that in just a few minutes. But my hope and my prayer, because I've got to say, at this time of the year, we, we preach around this topic every year, and it's the cause of Christ through his local church and his vision and mission for all of us as a part of his community of faith, a part of his body. And I, I have to admit to you, um, I've not always loved his church. I've, always, I've not always been a person that's been passionate about his vision and mission functioning through the local community of faith. At one stage in my walk with the Lord, I was just an attender, just turned up occasionally whenever I wanted to come to church, grab a coffee with a few mates, pick up a bit of a gold nugget out of the preaching uh, here and there, um, was what you would probably call a Sunday Christian really didn't fully appreciate the significance of what God wants to do through his church. And it wasn't until I joined C3, which was called Christian City Church back in those days, that God captured my heart. I stepped into a church that was full of grace and freedom, but also passion for the cause of Christ in this world. And I've been on fire for this cause ever since. And so my prayer also is for you that you would be ignited for the cause of Christ through his local church. One of the quotes I I love, and it's from uh, Pastor Bill Hybels, he talks about having a holy discontent. And you see, many of us get discontented, discontented with our kids or our marriage or our finances, get discontented with our church. That's not what he's talking about, because that kind of discontent is a negative it's a complaining, it's a whinging, it's a, it's a negative. The holy discontent is recognising that the job is not done, that we need to be building congregations and churches that are on fire for the cause of God, stepping out on radical faith and fulfilling his vision that he gave us in Matthew. And so let me encourage you today, open your hearts to being absolutely captivated with the purpose of the local church. Okay, so let me just touch on a couple of things that 
Justin mentioned last week. I mean, when I was just going through it one more time, can I encourage you, please listen to it on podcast. Absolutely brilliant. My message was the week before. Listen to them again. Let it process. If you go power walking, go running, whatever you do on the bus, listen to the messages and let the Holy Spirit to stir something in your heart. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. This is one of Justin's several scriptures, but this was one of the main ones. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are the members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. The whole structure of this analogy that Paul is giving us of the body of Christ is kept together by that chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. We are carefully joined together in him. That's an amazing picture when we see the diversity of the people that God has brought together in this fellowship from all over Sweden, Scandinavia, around the corners of the world. By his spirit, he brings us together gives us a vision and a mission, and he says, go for it, guys. And I I love that when I see this in this passage in verse 21. We are carefully, he carefully chose you to join together in this community of faith, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, you and me, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. Brilliant passage. Um, just feel like that that's a, a, just something to stand on as a church when we recognize in this COVID time where we tend to be disconnected and isolated that we remember that actually that's only temporary, but there's a long term vision that God has for us that He's handpicked us to be together. A few other things that I thought was brilliant. As a, as a follower of Jesus, I want to be devoted to and passionate about the things Jesus loves and cares about. As a disciple of Jesus, my natural question is, what what are we working on? How can I help? In Matthew 16, 18, we see Simon get the revelation of who Jesus is. He's right there and Jesus is asking the question, so guys, what's the gossip on the street about who I am? What's trending on Twitter and social media about who I am. And the disciples try to, to, to answer the question, you're, you're a prophet, you're this, you're that. And Simon just pipes up and says, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response is incredible because from that revelation, Jesus brings even more revelation back to him and back to all of us. Firstly, for us to get the revelation of Jesus Christ in our life is absolutely paramount. But the natural response or consequence of that is that we get a revelation of now who we are in him. Jesus speaks to Simon and renames him and and prophesies about who he now is. And then secondly, he says, he talks about mission and vision. He says, it is upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church. And there will be opposition, but the opposition will not prevail. I thought that was brilliant. Simon gets the revelation of who Jesus is and and Jesus comes back with a twofold revelation. He says, who you are, and now this is your cause and this is your mission. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Justin. He also mentioned a 
a, a, a great analogy or a picture of what church is. He, he referred to uh, a guy called Nathan and he said, with family there is always a level of comfort, there is a feeling like you belong, that you can be yourself, but there is always an expectation of responsibility around that. And of course, you can help yourself to what's in the refrigerator. And you have to realise, though, that you need to help clean up and do the dishes. And when I heard him say that, that reminded me of a similar analogy that Susan gave to a question asked of her. I think it was our first year, and as a church plant, you often get interesting people turning up. And this couple, an older gentleman, had just married a quite a younger lady from a very respected church in town. And they had not left that church in, good, in a good way. And they were kind of looking at coming to our church and they would come every second or third Sunday. And there was just this air of angst around him particularly. Anyway, after six months of bouncing around, he, he finally came up to Susan before a service and said, so what is it to, to, to join this church? He just literally just came up to him and said, what is it to join this church? And Susan, in her beautiful self, said, well, that's an easy answer. It's all through Scripture. The Bible says we are God's family, so we should act like family members, which means we come to family gatherings. We play a part in making the family gathering special. We bring something to give and to share when the family gathers. There is always an opportunity to help before the family gathering. There's always an opportunity to help clean up afterwards. So what we do as a family, as God's family, we love, we give, we share, and we protect each other. That's what it is to come to this church. And as a result, the gentleman said to Susan, well, then we won't be coming. There it is. What can I say further? But I thought that was a fantastic picture. And if we all played that part as our family member, I know that anything is possible when we do it together. So Hebrews is the key chapter that I'm bouncing out of throughout this series. And we're in Hebrews 11.1. And it's a familiar passage. And I just want to keep unpacking the journey of faith and turning up and speaking into the faith temperature in our lives privately, but also for us as a church. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And I think for some of us, we kind of get into a knot around that. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will eventually, will actually happen. It gives us an assurance, even if we can't see what it is. So we understand that faith is confidence and assurance about the things that we hope for according to the promises of God. If I could draw on a prop, Susanna, is, when she preaches, is absolutely excellent at preaching with memorable props. And I thought, well, hey, I'm going to try that. And so I went out and bought a prop. And so here it is. I have bow and three arrows. And you know I've used this illustration before because I just think it's brilliant and I just love reminding myself when it comes to this particular passage of faith 
and hope. And if I could use this analogy of a bow and an arrow out of Hebrews 11.1. So the arrow is your faith and your hope that we see in this passage. Faith shows the reality of things hoped for. Faith shows the reality of things hoped for. Hope is the target that you are pointing your arrow at. And so you definitely need to pick up your bow. That's our responsibility is to pick up the bow, take the arrow, take our faith, and point it at the things that we hope for. Oh, I didn't mean to shoot the camera. (laughs) You better check that, Justin, to see if it's still, (laughs) still online. But anyway, it's all good. Thank you. bit dangerous with props. Here's the deal. We all have faith. It's just that I think for many of us, we keep the faith in the quiver, the little packet on our back, in case we need to use it in a crisis situation. And we pull it out. But here's the deal. We can't please God without faith. And my interpretation or rewording that is, we can't play it safe and please God. And all of us have filled in a faith card or a dream card this year as we do every year. And it's such a wonderful mechanism to activate our faith around. And so whatever you've written down on your faith card, take your arrow of faith and your bow, take that number one, that faith goal, that dream faith goal on number one, which is something personal, and that becomes your target. That's what you're hoping for, whatever it is personally, that you'd grow in a deepening relationship with God, that you'd become healthier emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually, and point your faith at it and shoot that faith at that target. That is what we're hoping for. That is what we're pointing our faith at. And we see in um, Hebrews, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 13, which also kind of gets captured by Hebrews 10 as well. The great passage in 1 Corinthians 13 about faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. You see, if God has called us to live a life of faith and have a faith towards things hoped for, we need to understand the motivation for that faith. And the motivation is love. You see, Faith has to be activated. Faith has to be pointed towards something. But what is the motivation to cause that faith to be activated? It is love. For the greatest of these three, faith, hope and love, is love. For God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus Christ. You see, God didn't so come up with a strategic plan for us all to get to heaven that he gave us Jesus Christ. He loved us so much that he gave us Jesus Christ. And our love, when we activate our motivation, when we activate our faith and head it towards our target of hope, what we have hope for, what we are shooting faith towards, is always motivated with a sense of love in that, in that context of faith being targeted. And so we recognise also, as I continue to unpack this, concept of, of the arrow being faith and hope being the target. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, it says, We cons- constantly bear in mind 
your work of faith, labour of love and perseverance of hope. I thought that was a really good, again, encapsulating an understanding of how these three words work dynamically together. They, they are nouns, but more than anything, they're a verb. They are an action word. They have to be used actively in our lives for them to be real in our lives. And right here in Thessalonians, it says, to bear in mind your work. It takes work to pick up the bow. My responsibility is to pick up the bow. Without the bow, the arrow is going nowhere. And the arrow has to have somewhere to go, and that is the hope I have, the target of hope that I'm praying into, that I'm believing for this year on my dream car. It says here in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, your work of faith, your labour of love and perseverance of hope. One of the challenges we face in this context of being in faith is that our hope has to persevere because we will get discouraged, we'll get tired, we'll need encouragement. And this is why we need this community of faith around us to keep our faith and our hopes buoyant in front of our face above the horizon and not let them drop out of sight. There's a perseverance that needs to be attached to hope, a character trait that requires us to keep pressing in and persevering in hope. And the way we do that, as we heard from Pastor Phil last week, is that he keeps quoting scripture towards his hope. He attaches scripture to his arrow of faith and he keeps persevering towards hope. I hope that's helping somebody today. I hope that's working for you. And so as we look over the horizon of this year, as we look to the targets that we are seeing being brought up onto the horizon, these targets of hope that we will shoot our faith towards, we see a target of hope in Lund starting connect groups this year. We see a target of City Hearts where we're going to start connecting with people and seeing how we can meet a need, whether whatever that would be and whatever that will look like. That target of an online harvest, reaching an online harvest or an online presence, that's our target that we want to shoot our faith towards and that we will persevere in these things. I'm tremendously excited about this year. I think the targets of hope that we're establishing as a church are tremendously exciting. As I mentioned in my first part of this series, in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. And my little twist on that is we can't play it safe and please God. The kind of just want to keep coming back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. The thing's hopeful. What that says to me that there's nothing guaranteed. The thing's hopeful. That these targets in Lund, in City Hearts, in our online harvest that we want to reach into our communities through, through the internet, through building a good reservoir of finance for our building fund, these things are things hopeful. But... There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. Lord, how do you want me to step out of the boat? Because I want guarantees. Lord, how do you want me to step into faith when there's no guarantees? 
I've got to tell you, but there is one guarantee that we can trust in, and that is his character and the fact that he will be faithful to you in the midst of this journey of faith towards your target of love. I don't know about you, but um, in the school I went to when I was just, I think, 10 or 11, when you're just starting to discover the opposite sex and the school I went to, I don't know how it worked when you were at school, if you were interested in a girl, you, you didn't date, um, you would go, go with. It was a statement, will you go with me? Um, and if you were, oh, Quinton and so-and-so are going with each other. It was an interesting statement, an interesting definition of what it was to be in a relationship. But here's the funny thing. At that age, you didn't go anywhere. You didn't even go to recess or lunch with the girl because she was with all her girlfriends and you were with all your mates. It was just this concept that you were going with someone but you actually weren't going anywhere with them. And so the way you would guarantee this relationship would be that you would take a corner of the piece of paper you're supposed to be working on in class and you would write on that a little note. Hey, Sally, um, will you go with me? Little box, yes. Little box, no. Please check which one. And you would go and give that to one of her friends and she would give it to her. And hopefully your heart's pounding. You're hoping you're getting it before the end of the day and... Sometimes they're torturous and make you wait absolute days, these poor young boys. And hopefully you're going to get that note coming back that says, yes. Now that's where the young boy goes, now what do I do? But here's a worst case scenario. Sometimes that note comes back with a third box. She has missed the yes, she has missed the no, and she's written a third box and it says maybe i got to tell you, that is no guarantee. I'm looking for a guarantee that you will go with me before you will go with me. So for some of us, God is calling us, like Peter, to step out of the boat and walk on water, to trust him. But I'm not sure. Is that really you, God? How do I know? Is there a guarantee Here's Pastor Phil Pringle again, same interview as last time with the pastors from C3 New York City, uh, pastors Josh and uh, Georgie Kelsey, awesome church, awesome couple, and they're interviewing Pastor Phil and Chris for their Dream Sunday in January, and they're asking questions about their journey of faith from day one to how it is today in leading a global organisation. Here's Pastor Phil talking about following a sense of God's leading in their lives? I think uh, the bottom line is that you're a disciple of Jesus Yeah. before you are a faith person and before you're a person who moves in the spirit, before you're a church builder, before you're a leader of any kind, you're a disciple of Jesus. And that means you're going to do what he tells you to do. Yeah. And so the, I, I've never had faith when I'm doing something that he didn't tell me to do mm. or that I'm doing something that he told me not to do. Mm. You lose faith then. But, but once you've said, okay, I'm prepared to do anything you like, Lord. And he, ta- he took us step by step. So it wasn't like yeah. you get this big faith straight away. Mm. I think as you keep stepping out yeah. in obedience to God, then you, 
you're actually going to find your faith grows. Yeah. I, I also also think that there are times where you're not so conscious of the voice of God mm-hmm. or of the guidance of God. You're just trusting that your decision-making yeah. is being guided yeah. by That's the so Lord. True. Great. So, yeah. true. so I don't, it's not like, only move whenever I hear from God. Mm-hmm. I try and keep momentum yeah. in our lives and in the whole by continually stepping out. Mm-hmm. And I find in the step, if there's guidance needed, it comes then. Yeah. It doesn't come before you get the car out of the garage. <laughs> yeah. When you're out of the garage, <laughs> you need the steering wheel. Yeah. yeah. And if you're going in the right direction, it is a little annoying, but God doesn't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's, like, keep going. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's like yeah. the GPS doesn't say too much. It doesn't say, you're on the right road, you're yeah. on the right yeah. road, you're on the right road. Yeah, Only yeah. when you need to make a turn. That's a yes. great point. Yeah. Gonna... Thank you, Pastor Phil. I hope that helped you because the first time I heard that, that resonated with me so true. Now, I'm not saying that this is a stock, concrete, you know, this is an absolute textbook way God works. God works however he wants to work, but this resonated with how God leads Susan and I to a T. Bottom line is you can't maintain control and be in faith. You have to be one or the other. You have to give up control and let God step in or you need to stay and maintain control. But our confidence can be in the fact that he will stay faithful to you no matter what. We can't play it safe and please God. And as I said earlier, I'm not 100% on how things are going to turn out. I'm not 100% on how things are going to turn out in Lund. I'm not 100% how things are going to turn out City Hearts or our online ministry. I'm not 100% on any of it because there's no guarantees except for the fact that there's a guarantee in who God is in our church and in our situation. We can't play it safe and please God. One of the challenges I think we face in stepping out of the boat like Peter is that we want steps one, two, three, four and five up front signed and stamped before we're willing to do anything for God. My experience, like Pastor Phil just said, is he gives us the first step. We've got to get the car out of the... Actually, we've got to sit in the car and get it out of the garage. We've got to take the first step and trust God because he says he is a lamp unto our path. That lamp only shows one or two steps in front of us. It doesn't, it's not a, it doesn't say God is a spotlight unto our path where it shines right down to the horizon. It says there's a lamp unto our path. We are to be in a place of trusting and dependency. It's always a journey towards dependency with him. And so when we're asking for steps one to five and God's going, you know what, I'm giving you a step one and two. When Susan and I first came to Sweden to establish this church, we had four young kids under 11 We had no promise of any jobs. We were coming to a very different part of Sweden that Susan was used to. I'm coming to a very different culture. And I've got to say, that was a pretty big step of faith. It's a journey of faith that began many, many years earlier. 
A step of faith that required me to be disciple and be submitted under authority. A step of faith that required us to pay a price. A price that was tested. You see, it's not until you take a step that you actually start paying a price. The price where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, comes when you take a step of faith. You see, we went to some friend's house before we came to Sweden and she just spontaneously said to us, why you? As in, why are you privileged to become pastors and start a church in Sweden? Why are you chosen? And I just said to her, I said, because we kept stepping up and making the, and making the sacrifice and paying the price again and again and again. We proved ourselves faithful. We proved ourselves anointed. We proved ourselves to be the ones to choose. And I've got to say to you, church, just in this regard, every single leader, connect group leader, that's a part of this church, whether they're connect group leaders or senior leaders or whatever role they play, they're in that position because they've paid a price. They've proven themselves to be faithful, faithful in loving, faithful in not taking offense at every corner, faithful in giving, faithful in serving, faithful in laying down their lives for you and me again and again and again. It's when we take this step of faith that we start to walk in Jesus' shoes and we start to learn how to lay our lives down for others. Abraham, the father of faith, what a great example. He was called to go to a place where he would later receive what he would later receive as an inheritance. He obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going, even though he did not have a clue. What an incredible example. He had no idea and he took all his people, all his animals, everything with him. And you could imagine the gossip behind his back. Where are we going? What are we doing? I mean, I've heard a little bit of that about Lord. What are we doing? Where are we going? It's a faith step. I have confidence in God. I have confidence in the age and stage of this church and the season of this church. I have confidence in Matthew and Christelle. Let us support them. Let us give to them. Let us be praying for them. Let's be that, that, that Holy Spirit oxygen in their lungs so they can be the people on the ground for us in Lund. Peter, again, I mentioned last time we spoke, such an example to me, a spontaneous a spontaneous yes in his spirit. Can I come to you, Jesus? And he's the only disciple that walked on water. Yes, he sunk, but we'll all sink. That's the point. And Jesus is there to pull us back up again to a place of faith. And together, they walked back to the boat on water. So my question is this as we finish up. Would our God be amazed at this church's great faith. Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith in his hometown where he could not minister. He was amazed at the great faith of the centurion who said to him, just at your word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. There's a temperature of faith that Jesus sees. 
And I've got to say, I'm so proud that I see a temperature when I hear reports back from the connect groups, from the testimonies, from the prayer requests. I just see an activity increasing in this church where the temperature of faith and pressing into God is on the rise. And I just love that. As followers of Jesus, we have every right to come to that throne room of grace with boldness. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We have access to go into the Holy of Holies. And he calls us, don't come begging and groveling. Come with boldness and expectation because there's so much I have for you as a church. Engage me with faith. So how does this play out? How does this play out for you individually? How does this play out for you and me corporately? I'm believing God is speaking to you. God speaks and he speaks to you through the written word of Scripture more than any other way. He speaks to you by his Holy Spirit and he speaks to you by others. I've got to tell you, God is speaking to you if you will listen. And he's been speaking to this church. And we're starting and continuing four faith initiatives this year and they require faith. They require generosity. I want to encourage you. There'll be an email going out in the next couple of weeks in detail, just listing what these four things are and specifically what the budgets and costs will be to see these things grow this year. You will know where your generous gift is going towards and we'll keep you updated throughout this year as to the progress of each of those ventures. But can I encourage you, let's not be passive. Can I encourage you? Let's be engaged. Let's be encouraging. Let's look for ways to serve, to give, to be connected, to encourage all of these ventures. Because you know what? There's people just like you and me in Lund. There's people just like you and me in Malmö, in Helsingborg, in Trelleborg, all around this region. Thousands of people longing for their marriages to be restored, longing for their finances to be restored, longing for reconciliation and relationship or They're just so tired of the dysfunction that comes with isolation. They're longing for community. Whatever God is going to use to bring Jesus and his grace and his mercy into into their lives. But we are called with a vision and mission, the cause of Jesus Christ, to reach into our immediate world and turn the light on in people's lives. And so let me ask you, please be a part of all of this. Be that person that says, yes, Lord, use me. How can I help? How can I serve? How can I give? And as I said, we will continue to update you and give you more information about that. So I hope you've been challenged today. I hope you've been encouraged today. I pray that you will continue in the journey of falling in love with his house. He is the chief cornerstone. He has intentionally, carefully brought us together by his spirit, to fulfill his vision and mission right here in Malmö and Lund. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this amazing church. And I know you look upon us and go, I love this church. What amazing, bold faith they have. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray throughout this month that you will stir our hearts greatly 
that you will create a holy discontent where I go, I want to be a part of the solution here in this part of the world while you have me here. And so, Lord, we commit to you our hearts and our minds and we pray that we would have the same spirit of Peter and say, yes, Lord, can I come to you? Can I be a part of your cause, your vision and mission in Jesus' name? Bless you, church. Have an absolutely wonderful Sunday afternoon and we will be in touch throughout the week. Bless you in Jesus' name.